This is episode four of Magic and the Law of Attraction with Madame Pamita. Hello, everyone. I'm your host, Madame Pamita, and you're listening to Magic and the Law of Attraction, the podcast where you'll learn how to transform your life in magical ways to make it the very best that it can be. I'm so happy to be recording this podcast from the beautiful countryside of France. I'm in a beautiful little winemaking village in Burgundy, and this week, the whole village has been coming together to prepare for a big festival celebrating St. Vincent, the patron saint of winemakers. It's amazing to see this village of 200 people come together in preparation for a festival that is going to bring in 40,000 people over two days. I'll be posting photos of all the magic of my visit to France on Instagram. So if you're an Instagram type of person, I hope you'll follow me. My account name there is Madame Pamita, all one word with no spaces. Anyway, back to what we're here for now. I'm so happy that we're on our fourth episode. I'm fully hitting our stride now. In numerology, four is the number of stability. So if we've made it to episode four, I think we're here to stay. And being that we're tapping into that vibe of stability, it's perfect that today we've got a question about working with stones, the symbol of all that is strong, long-lasting, and stable. And today we'll be talking specifically about a really powerful, magical kind of stone, magical magnetic lodestones. In today's episode, I'll be answering the question, how do we use lodestones? I'll tell you what lodestones are, how to work with them magically, how to pick a lodestone to work with, how to prepare that lodestone for magical work, and at the end of the episode, I'll show you how to access not one, but two lodestone spells, one for love and one for prosperity. I'll also tell you how you can download a lodestone cheat sheet that condenses all the essential information from this podcast onto one page so that you are ready to do your lodestone spell work. So Kim and Altadina wrote in and said, I've heard a lot lately about lodestones. What's the deal with them and how can I use them in a spell? Oh, Kim, you just brought up a topic near and dear to my heart, lodestones. I love lodestones. I mean, I love lodestones. I know what the third grader in you is saying right now. If you love lodestones so much, why don't you marry them? Well, if human geological marriage were legal, I probably would. But alas, it is not to be in this lifetime. Yes, I love lodestones that much. And after you spend this podcast with me and start working with them, I bet that you'll love them as much as I do. So what is the deal with lodestones? What makes them so magical? And how do we use them in magic? Well, first, let's talk about what a lodestone is. Lodestones are unbelievably magical, even from a scientific perspective. Lodestones are the world's only natural magnets. Let's take this in. Virtually all magnets that we come in contact with on a daily basis, from the tiny ones on our fridge to the giant ones used to haul up cars in the wrecking yard, are all man-made which kind of makes sense once you think about it. 
Before I heard of lodestones, it would never have occurred to me that magnets were anything other than those factory-made horseshoe-shaped things that we see in the cartoons. But believe it or not, the first magnets were naturally occurring ones, rare stones that are magnetized by nature. And get this, even today, scientists are not exactly 100% certain how they get magnetized. Lodestones aren't their own type of rock. In fact, they are somewhat freaks in the rock world. Freaks in the rock world. Hmm, could that be my next band name? Well, anyway, lodestones are made up of the mineral magnetite. Now, while all lodestones are magnetite, not all magnetite rocks are lodestones. Magnetite is a super common mineral. It's just a version of iron oxide, and we all know that iron is pretty common. But while magnetite is as common as, well, as common as rocks, only a tiny percentage of the magnetite rocks are lodestones. As magical as they are, lodestones don't really look like much. Certainly nothing like a quartz crystal or a piece of sparkly pyrite. They just look like a dark gray rock, rough and with a little bit of a dull matte finish. If there were a lodestone on the ground, you would never even give it a first glance, let alone a second one. But if you get up a little closer to a lodestone, you'll see something highly unusual. This dull gray rock is covered with a hairy beard. These hairs are made up of small pieces of magnetite dust or iron filings, the same iron filings that we call magnetic sand in the hoodoo tradition. Lodestones get covered with these tiny pieces of iron because they can't help themselves. They just naturally pull magnetically attractive materials like iron toward them. You can brush the magnetic sand off a lodestone, but if you bring the lodestone anywhere near the magnetic sand again, shoop, back on it goes. If you're trying to picture what I mean by magnetic sand, I have a reference point for you. If you're like me and you were born in the 1960s or really anywhere between the 50s and the 70s and lived in the States, you probably remember a toy that was called Wooly Willy. It was a piece of flat cardboard with a cartoon drawing of a bald man encased in plastic. And inside this plastic was a large pinch of iron filings. Wooly Willy came with a magnet and the object of the toy was to move the magnet behind the picture of Willie to move the iron filings to put hair on his head or a beard or a mustache or big bushy eyebrows. And yes, I admit, we mid-century kids were very easily amused. The iron filings that made up Willie Willie's hair are the same magnetic sand, and they are the same hairs that are attached to lodestones. Another way you may have encountered magnetic sand is at a beach or in a sandbox. If you were a kid growing up in California like me, you've definitely had the experience of pulling a magnet through the beach sand or even playground sand and picking up these mysterious gray particles on the magnet. Okay, so far we know that lodestones are a rare form of magnetite that is a natural magnet. But what's crazy is that geologists aren't completely sure why only a small fraction of the magnetite found in the world is magnetized permanently and becomes a lodestone. 
The best conclusion that they can come up with is that a lodestone is regular magnetite that has been struck by lightning and thus transforms into a magnet. Like Dr. Frankenstein and his monster, a jolt of lightning transforms these average iron rocks into magical magnets. When you hold a lodestone in your hand, it's like you're holding all the power and energy of that thunderbolt in your palm. Every time I touch or hold one of my lodestones, I take a moment to tap into that power and the wonder of how it got to be a magnet. And I hope that now that you know something about how lodestones come to be, you'll experience that same wonder too. So now, since you understand the magicalness of these stones from a scientific level, let's talk about how we tap into their power and use them in magic. What kinds of spells are lodestones good for? Back in episode one, I talked about using magical allies, the tools that assist us in achieving our spiritual goals. And I think I mentioned that different tools had different energies that through intuition, inspiration, and trial and error, our magical foremothers and forefathers discovered what tools were good for what jobs. So knowing that and knowing that lodestones are magnets, I think you can start to see where this is leading. Lodestones with all their magnetic pulling power are one of the most amazing tools that you can use for attraction spells to pull in what it is that you are wanting. Love, prosperity, good luck, and so on. Lodestones have long been known to be powerful natural amulets, and in magic, we use them many ways, from placing them on altars, to carrying them in mojo bags, to adding them to oils. If there's anything that you might want to attract with your spell, then adding a lodestone to that spell will amp up that attraction power. So now that I've thoroughly convinced you on how amazing lodestones are, you should be ready to start working with them. And if that's the case, the first thing you'll want to do is select a lodestone to work with. If you have a chance to go to a shop and choose your lodestone, I think that's one of the best things that you can do. Having the experience of seeing and touching a great number of lodestones to find the one or ones that you connect with is an experience that I think everyone should have and one that I love to give my clients after their readings if they're going to start some lodestone work. Having a choice of lodestones and finding that one that is the one is something that every magician or root worker should do at some point in their magical careers. So if you can't make an appointment to come to the Parlor of Wonders and do that with me, then find a metaphysical store or a rock shop or a gem show where you can go and see more than one lodestone. When you do this, pause a moment to take in all the stones. It's kind of like choosing a puppy or a kitten amongst all the puppies and kittens in the litter. One or two will really stand out for you and tell you, pick me. And those are the ones that you should purchase. There are several ways that you can determine that pick-me energy. You might be visually attracted to the shape, or you might guide your hand over the pile of stones and feel one whose energy jumps out at you. Or you might pick up individual stones into your hands and hold them and have a conversation with them that way. 
Just try different things until you find a lodestone or two that really call to you. If you want to do lodestone work but don't have the opportunity to pick out one for yourself, then I really recommend ordering from an online metaphysical store that you trust. I know that at my store, we really take the selection of lodestones seriously and ask the question, which lodestone is the best one for this client before we pick one out for you, pack it up, and ship it out. So the next thing you'll need to consider in getting a lodestone is the size and how many you will need for your specific spell work. If you are getting a lodestone for an altar, for example, you can choose one of any size up to the largest size, anything that pleases you. But if you are going to be putting the lodestone into a mojo bag, then you want to choose the smallest size possible. And as for the number of lodestones, if you're working to attract more prosperity or more luck or more clients or a job or any sort of general attraction work, then a single lodestone is sufficient. But if you're doing a spell specifically to attract love into your life, then you'll need two lodestones, one to represent you and one to represent the person you wish to attract. Of course, there are certainly special spells where you may use more than two lodestones and you may want to experiment using different numbers of lodestones, but for most purposes, using one for general work and two for love work is the standard. Which brings us to identifying the gender of lodestones. Yes, in the hoodoo tradition, lodestones are either male or female. Now, for the spells where you use just one lodestone, your prosperity and good luck spells, for example, you can use either male or female. When I choose a lodestone for prosperity work, I just consider the pick-me energy of the lodestone, and I don't even consider if it's a male or female stone. However, I definitely do think about the gender when I'm doing lodestone work for love. In love lodestone work, spellcasters tend to make one lodestone represent one party and the other lodestone represent the other party. So let's say you're a woman and you want to attract a man. Then you would choose a female lodestone to represent you and a male lodestone to represent him. Of course, you're not limited to just heterosexual lodestone work. And if you were a man wanting to attract a man or a woman wanting to attract another woman, of course, you would use the lodestones of the appropriate genders. And by the way, I'm sure there are people who do lodestone love work with more than one lodestone too. But for a relationship between two people, you would need two lodestones. To identify the gender of the lodestones, you have to be able to judge its shape. Male lodestones tend to be long and pointy and more triangular, while females are rounder or blockier. Not all lodestones fall clearly into one category or another, and if you identify as somewhere in the middle of the gender spectrum or want someone who has more gender fluidity, then you can find one of those stones that's more ambiguous, and there you go. Once you've selected your lodestone or lodestones and you are ready to do some magic, you need to prepare them for your magical work. There are many recipes for preparing lodestones for magic, including doing nothing at all. But I do prepare mine, and I'm going to share my method with you. Many of my clients have had great success with this, so try it out and see how it works for you. You'll have to gather together a few things to prepare your lodestone. You'll need your lodestone, of course. And then you'll need some Hoyt's cologne, Florida water, or whiskey, one of the alcohol-based fluids used in magic. 
You'll also need a small jar, but one that is big enough to hold your lodestone. You'll also need some lodestone oil and some magnetic sand. So to prepare your lodestone, first put it into the jar and then pour enough Hoyt's cologne, whiskey, or Florida water into the jar to cover the stone. If you are working with two or more lodestones, you can let them all sit in the jar together. Once you've covered the stone, close the jar and let it sit overnight. While it's sitting overnight, it's the perfect time to think of a name for your lodestone. If you're doing a love spell with two lodestones, it's easy because you can name them your name and the name of your beloved, or your name and my soulmate if you don't have a particular person in mind. But if you're working with a lodestone for prosperity or luck or success, you get to be a little more creative. Think of it like naming a pet. I think that's one of the most fun parts about getting a new pet. You get to come up with a creative name that reflects its personality. So in the case of naming your lodestone, I recommend naming it something that is related to your magical goals. For example, if you were wanting to attract more good luck, you could call your stone jackpot or Lucky Luciano or Winnie, though I know that you can come up with better, more creative names than that, but you get what I'm saying. Or if you were doing work to bring in more financial abundance, you could call your stone something that is related to money and prosperity. I have two prosperity lodestones. One of them is named Big Bill, as in dollar bill, and another one is named Rockefeller. Get it? Rockefeller? I like to come up with names that reflect my magical goal, but of course, you can choose a name based on your own personal naming preferences. Just come up with a name and make it one that appeals to you. So after you've let your lodestone sit overnight, you can take it out of your Hoyt's cologne, Florida water, or whiskey, and then let it dry. Because you're using alcohol-based liquids, the lodestone will dry pretty quickly, and once it does, then you are ready to name and bless your lodestone. Take a few drops of lodestone oil, put it on your finger, touch the lodestone, and then say, Lodestone, I baptize you Winnie, or whatever name you've chosen. And then you establish your intention for the lodestone using your own words. For example, you could say, Winnie, you and I will work together You will work to bring me good luck at the horse races. You will work to bring me great winnings at the racetrack so that I can use that money to bring some extra luxury into my life and share my good fortune with those in need, and so on and so on. You want to create this blessing so that it establishes the name of your lodestone and what it is that you want that lodestone to do for you. I like to just extemporize whatever comes to me in the moment while I'm blessing my tools, but if you want to write it out beforehand and read it while you bless your stone, that's fine too. Once you've done that, give your lodestone a little pinch of magnetic sand to feed it, and then it will be ready to use on your altar, in your mojo bag, added to your magical oils, or as part of a candle spell. If you're adding it to an oil or mojo bag, you've prepped it and that's all you need to do. But if you're working with a lodestone on an altar, then you will want to give it a little pinch of magnetic sand to feed it whenever it does something positive for you. Or give it a little touch with a drop of lodestone oil when you need to give it a little boost. 
If you're working a lodestone in this way, continue to pay attention to it. Thank it when it works for you and be sure to treat it with the respect that you would give any precious magical tool. I think there's a really important point that I should throw in here. One of the really essential aspects of working with a lodestone or any magical tool for that matter is that after the spell work is finished, that you don't fall into what I call the are we there yet syndrome. It's so easy after you do a spell to sit there and say, why am I not seeing the results? Or worse, get into a really negative space when you don't see the immediate result. And in next week's podcast episode, I'm going to be talking about how to eliminate that doubt and really get into the perfect mindset for manifesting what you're intending with your spells. So anyway, once you've blessed your lodestone, you're all set. If you've added it to a mojo bag or an oil, then your work is all done. If you're working it on an altar, then be sure to touch it with a tiny drop of oil to give it some extra energy and feed it with a pinch of magnetic sand when you want to thank it for the positive result that you are getting. One other thing, if you work with your altar lodestone over time, giving it pinches of magnetic sand, then after a while it can get quite hairy. When you feel that it's time to tidy up your lodestone, then you can knock off the extra sand and give your lodestone a freshening up with the whiskey, Florida water, or Hoyt's cologne. You can reuse this magnetic sand that you've taken off over and over again to feed your stone. So to recap what we've discovered in this episode, you've learned about the science behind lodestones and what makes them magnetic. You've also learned how to work with them magically how to pick out your perfect lodestone, and how to prepare that lodestone for magical work. Now, if you take a look at the show notes for this episode at magicandthelawofattraction.com, you'll see that I've given you the links to two free instructional videos I've made about working with lodestones, giving you the complete step-by-step instructions for a seven-day love spell using candles and lodestones, and a powerful prosperity altar spell to increase your flow of abundance. So you'll definitely want to check those out. And if you like those and want more free videos, you can check out all of my how-to videos by going to my website, Parlor of Wonders, and clicking on Magical Instruction and then on How-To Videos. Parlorofwonders.com is also the place where you can buy lodestones, magnetic sand, Hoyt's cologne, and a whole lot of other exceptional magical tools that I mention in these podcasts. I've also got a handy guide, a lodestone cheat sheet that you can download there. In it, I have the notes on how to pick a lodestone, including a photo giving an example of male and female lodestones. And I also give you a handy shopping list of the things that you will need to prepare and work with a lodestone. Also, I wanted to let you know that if you would like more magical goodness, I've just released a brand new ebook called Seven Secrets to Supercharge Your Spellwork. And I have to say, it's a pretty gorgeous gem. I worked really closely with an amazing book designer named Rachel Gutek on this project, and I think we've made something super special, and I'm so very proud of it. It's for sale in both ebook and audiobook format on my site if you go to superchargemyspellwork.com. But the people who subscribe to my Spell a Week newsletter get a free copy of the ebook as a thank you gift for joining me on this amazing magical journey. So I hope that you'll go to parlorofwonders.com 
and become one of them. Well, that about does it for this episode of Magic and the Law of Attraction. If you've enjoyed this podcast and found it helpful and would like to hear more, you definitely will want to subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher. And I would so appreciate it if you would give me a five-star review and leave your encouraging comments. The ratings on iTunes and Stitcher help people find the show. And I'll be giving shout outs to the people who leave reviews on upcoming episodes of the podcast. Be sure to share this podcast with your friends too. And if you have a question that you would like to be included on a future podcast episode, you can go to magicandthelawofattraction.com and fill out the question form. I am super excited to see what you're curious about and where our journey of discovery will go. Thank you so much for joining me. I'm looking forward to next week when we'll be talking about how to turn around discouragement when doing magic. Until next time, this is Madame Pamita saying, keep making your life the most magical adventure ever. Ever.